Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science facts. Engines primed, engage! I'm Andy. I'm Sarah. I'm Doug. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Space Nerds Star Trek Club. Yeah! Star Trek! We're meeting every week to talk about season one of Star Trek Discovery. Woo! Get ready for Star Trek Club! To share your thoughts on Star Trek Discovery, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. We are Space Nerds! Takuma, he will be avenged. <laughs> Takuma has friends in high places. Oh, Takuma, he did a nasty deed, <laughs> but he brought the houses together to be freed from the bondage of the Federation's integration. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank Welcome you. back to Star Trek Club with... Episode two of Star Trek Discovery, Battle at the Binary Stars. How's everyone doing today? Good. Meh. Great. I mean, you know, for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could it could be worse. Yeah. How's everyone's uh, isolation treating them? Quarantine. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to get through. You yeah, know? absolutely. I'm doing a lot of this. What is that? I can't tell. Is that toilet paper? Mailing. Mailing, Mailing things. Oh, That's oh, good. Oh. You guys have like an online shop, right? Yes. Yeah. If if anyone's listening that hasn't checked out uh, Doug's business, it's awesome. Check out my business. Check yeah. out his business, yeah. man. Tell us about it. I really like it. I have friends well, the, that have purchased items. Well, the, the, you might be talking about like this, like the shower art. Yeah, the shower art. Yeah. Can and that's the waterproof art that you can hang in the shower with a suction cup on the back. Yeah. And they say fun things. They do. They're really And they cute. say fun things. <laughs> it's a nice way to spruce up your shower. Uh-huh. Give but, you a yeah. little giggle. But you got like t-shirts. You guys have all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. What, what's the website? Uglybabyshop.com. I was going to say tiny baby, but that's something else. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into episode two of Discovery. How... Do we feel about this episode? Who wants to kick it off? I do. I want to kick it off. Okay. <laughs> because I had a question and I was debating whether I should... Okay, this is such a random part of this episode to start with, but I wanted to remember this while I still remember the question. Yeah. And I wanted to ask Jesse during it, and then I thought, oh, we'll just talk about it in Star Trek Club. So, the moment where uh, Michael is in... Uh, the brig. Yeah. And um, what's the guy's name that comes to her in her mind? Uh, Sark. Sark. Yeah. Sark. Thank you. And Sark comes to her, and she's like, "How is this possible?" Yeah. And he says, "When you were a little girl, I there's a my something is in what my is it? Katra. What is Katra. <laughs> Katra is like the Vulcan, the Vulcan soul." soul. So he, so is he implying that he that a piece he put a piece of his soul with Michael? Yeah. So remember when uh, Captain Picard mind melded with Sarek? It's the same character um, in Next Generation when uh, mm. Spock's dad comes on board and he's ha- he has this like degenerative uh, mind disease where he's losing control of his logic yeah. and he's feeling these intense emotions. Yes. And he, yes. He mind melds with Picard and gives his intense yeah. emotions to Picard. Yes. And then at the end of that, they kind of say how a piece of each other remains with each other. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Okay. And this is the same character, which is really cool. Huh? Um, yeah. Wow. Spock's dad is, as a younger man. So you, when you, sometimes when you mind meld with somebody, you give them a piece of your soul, essentially. Yeah, I think that maybe even every time you mind meld with somebody, yeah. there is like an exchange of of some piece of spirit that remains with the other for, for, I mean, maybe the rest of their life, or maybe it depends on how close they are to the individual. Like, he mind melded with this young human and then um, raised her for 
decades and like yeah or at least i mean i don't know about decades but for a long time and you know he is basically her father figure her adoptive father i will be your father figure put your tiny, <laughs> put your tiny mind in mind <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah so yeah okay yeah, okay so sure i can a buy piece that. Of that remains okay thank you and I this may not be for that. like every mind meld it may be certain sure intensive ones or yeah. ones that are meant to do specific things yeah that are for yeah we don't we don't yeah. really know i mean we've seen it happen several times got it we, i mean star trek wrath of khan there's like this pivotal mind meld that takes place Mm. between uh, Spock and McCoy, and then we hear a lot about Spock's Katra yeah. being in McCoy in the next movie and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. And not to spoil yeah. anything, but I did want to clarify that because I know that, that he comes to her again. So, yeah, this way. And I just, I never understood why he was able to, but that makes well, sense. Yeah, and this is something we haven't seen in Star Trek before, th- this idea that after having mind-melded, having a piece of someone's Katra inside of you, they can then connect straight to your brain through mind meld Wi-Fi and, you know, talk to you over a thousand light years. We've never right. seen this power before. Yeah. It, this it, is like in Star Wars when they like, oh, look, you can trade items across yeah. a distance. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, sure. And this is new space magic. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind it at all. I actually kind of like it. No, I think that I, scene I, is, uh, yeah. is really cool. Where, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. It's, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. I Speaking mm-hmm. of, I had a second Michael in the Brig question. Yeah. For, well, first I want to say it's I like a sitcom. I, Michael in the brig. Exactly. In the brig. Hey, hey, hey. Um, yes. <laughs> so, first of all, I love I love the scene where she is basically um logicalizing with the computer yes, yeah, in order yeah. to have Classic. the computer allow her to survive. I love it. And it's brilliant. I love that scene. I love the way yeah. that, that they've implanted a moral... Um, ethical programming. Thank you. Yeah. Ethical programming in the computer, and that it, but it has to be accessed through a logical deduction. And, I love it, too. And it's, it is... Sorry to interrupt no. you, but it is a straight-up... Uh, that is what Captain Kirk did all the time on the original series. He, oh, like, used really? to, he used to talk computers into destroying themselves all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, he just really? like out logic the computer. He's like, don't you see that that's a logical fallacy? Cannot compute. And then the computer would like let him out of jail or whatever it was that he was trying to get it to do. That happened like several times. That's great. So I loved that scene. I, yeah, brilliant. I thought that was great. And I, I love that scene too. And my... My one thing that I wondered, so when she does get sucked out <laughs> and it shows her face kind of going crazy and kind of crusting yeah. over. Yeah. And then the next time we see her, she's totally she fine. Yeah. I mean, well, not, a, not a mark on her. Yeah, they had to cut this out, but she stopped by her quarters and did her makeup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you sure. look like you belong on the bridge. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I noticed that too. That's felt like a very small continuity error sure, sure. where she should have looked a little bit disheveled having just been exposed to the vacuum of space. You know. But whatever. But yeah. <laughs> you know. It's, okay. Yeah. Star Trek is not actually filmed in space. It's something I have to remind myself from time to time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and they play fast and loose with physics sometimes. Like, I don't yeah. know how it would specifically work, but if they open the portal in the shield in the brig to decompress it so that she, like, yeah, shoots, shoots out across. of it and then you open a portal in the other end for her to go through shouldn't that <laughs> it should shoot her back out <laughs> yeah right but instead it was like whoop <laughs> in you go yeah and then Fine. she she basically gets ping ponged back and forth yeah. and then dies in between <laughs> yeah that's what happened but you know but that's to me those are all the things like yeah I Whatever. don't know enough science maybe but yeah, yeah. it's fake space science so. sure yeah, I mean, if you if you pick too hard at anything in Star Trek, it tends to fall apart. But sure. it's the intention mm-hmm. that often matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, which now brings me to my next point. <laughs> Thank you for all attending my course on this episode. Um, so, so um, yeah, I had some feelings about watching this time through. So, when... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. What's the captain's name? Uh, Philippa Giorgio. Giorgio. Thank you. I, I'm so bad with names. But anyway, when Captain Giorgio decides or gives the order to send that device, bomb, bomb yeah. thank you, through the dead body and right, all right. that, which is also a really cool and interesting um, 
method, but I, so was it just to avenge the damage? Was that the motivation or was it to distract so they could take him as a prisoner? Like it seemed like before both maybe. (laughs) Well, I think taking him as a prisoner, I think that was the primary, but not before Michael got there. What's that? Right. But not before Michael had that plan, right? I mean, her initial plan was right. just to was kill to, him, right? I think so. In that case, like, it's like, we're at war, right. and we need enemy. to do what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. It just didn't seem, it seems, I mean, that, I love it when that guy comes down and to the brig and he's like, we're Starfleet. Like, we're we're not warriors. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're, re- we're researchers, you know, we're scientists and... There was something about her response. I know it was such a dramatic situation she was in, but something about her response that to attack when they weren't being actively attacked anymore. But I could see how that would be a strategic. Yeah, I also think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of moments in this where like different actions could have been taken, but you have to keep in mind that um, oftentimes like damaging the enemy enough so that you can get away Mm. is your goal. Yeah. Uh, And I think that the Shenzhou was. Uh, near destroyed and by attacking this massive Klingon vessel that was, I mean, all the other Klingon vessels had warped away. It was the only one that was left. It gave them a chance to escape in their escape pods. So I think, uh, and you know, there was this thought that I had when uh, the Europa self-destructs and I have to say that shot where the cloaked Klingon vessel crashes into the Europa was nuts. Like that is like some... That is like some Starfleet space battle porn right there, if you're into that sort of thing. It also, for the very first time... (laughs) Sorry for the loss of life, but the special effects were fucking awesome. (laughs) They were, and for the very first time, it actually made me think about a spaceship in relationship to a sea ship. Like, because Hmm. it looked like the hull of a ship, like like Titanic, like something crashing into an iceberg or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so... There was a thought that I had that, like, the Europa self-destructed. They could have tried to emergency beam some people out onto the Shenzhou, but you can't beam when the shields are up. So I think the Europa basically sacrificed themselves to give all the other ships that were there a chance to escape. And they knew that, like, they couldn't emergency beam out because (laughs) they'd have to drop their shields, another ship would have to drop their shields, and and it would end up in the other ship being destroyed, too. So the best course of action in that case was to emergency self-destruct to try to let other people get away. Mm. And I think that uh, Giorgio is thinking something similar when she tries to, uh, when she damages that Klingon ship, she's like, well, maybe my crew can escape if mm. we damage the ship enough that they can't stop us from escaping. And something that's not, I think, explicitly said, but is very much uh, talked around is that Giorgio is a war captain. Hmm. That there's oh, she she was involved okay. and I don't know what it is, but uh, they there's a couple references to her being a soldier and having been at war and the thing that Sarek says I mean um, the the her explanation to Michael about why Sarek gave basically Michael to her mm-hmm. involved like her going through a terrible situation and then still coming out with hope at the other end of it. Okay. Um, but I think that there's a couple, even in this one and in the previous one, they kind of drop hints that Giorgio had been involved in war before. Okay. Uh, and I'm guessing through Starfleet. Um, yeah. And I think that also is partly, at least I think it could inform her reactions to this Battle of the Binary Stars and yeah. her deciding, like, I'm going to fuck up this Klingon ship whether or not it has any kind of... Yeah. other justification or not you know sure. this is what okay. we do in war sure yeah. sure that makes sense where i think where i think someone who was like a science captain explorer captain exactly. who had never been at war yeah might handle things differently yeah that sure. makes a lot Absolutely. of sense yeah yeah i mean there's so much this episode does a great job of i think that one scene where that crewman comes down to the brig he was supposed to go to sick bay but he goes to the brig to talk to michael and say we're not supposed to be at war right before the the bulkhead is blown out and he gets sucked into, into space. Yeah. There's this really interesting um, dynamic that takes place when the battle breaks out because you can tell that this is not a battle-hardened crew. Yeah. Like, they've been in a period of relative peace and I really like seeing their reactions to it. It mm. felt very organic to the story. I really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, there, There's one thing in this episode that rubs against canon, established canon in a way that... Um, I feel like the writers acknowledge, but then still ignored, which is the <laughs> fact that uh, Klingons believe that when they die, their bodies are just empty shells and they don't care what happens to their bodies. Um, that's been well established over the course of many 
many episodes of Star Trek over many, many years.、Mm. And they kind of say in this episode that when a Klingon dies in battle, then we care about their body. But if a Klingon、mm. dies outside of battle, they are just an empty shell. Which is、right. definitely contradicting what we've seen before. And I feel like the reason they did that is so that they could have this cool moment where they beam a bomb onto a Klingon's body as it's being <laughs> sucked back in and blow it up. It's a great moment. It's such a cool plan. I really like that. And I、yeah. love the tomb ship with all、yeah. these Klingons around it. And I well, also feel like different, different Klingons have different beliefs. Like, they don't all、right. believe the same thing. So,、right. you know, this bothered me the first time through and watching it again this time. I'm like, you know what? There's all these different houses. They all might have different belief structures.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Um, that, that, as a detail, doesn't need to annoy me. And this could be like, oh, this is why we don't think of bodies as needing to be gathered off the battlefield. Sure, sure. This is the <laughs> last We all remember what happened to the Kuzma. Remember the battle of the Earth Stars? <laughs> Those are、matter. empty shells.、Yeah. Let's leave them. Yeah. yeah. Empty shells might have bombs in them. <laughs> How did you feel about this episode, Sarah? Well,、oh, well I was going to ask what are the Europa? What? Oh, the Europa?、No, that was the ship that the,、uh, the Admiral Brett Anderson or whatever it's. Admiral、generic. Hunky Face. Admiral Hunky Face, the like, you know, white haired white guy. Yeah.、Uh, when he was the one who was like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to rescue you with my tractor beam.、Right. Let's negotiate with the Klingons. And the Klingon dude is like, yeah, let's negotiate. And then he rams his ship into a ship. While close. The ship that gets blown up is, is、uh, the Europa. Right. But、and、they're it- just like another part of like Starfleet or like. They are they're the ones that showed、yeah. up late. It's another Starfleet、yeah. ship. Yeah. That's another、oh, Starfleet、yeah. ship that was part of the battle that, that saved the Shenzhou from crashing into that asteroid as they were being sucked towards the, the star.、Um, God. But, yeah. They were fashionably late to the battle. Yeah. And also, the Europa, Europa is one of the moons of Jupiter. So I love that that's the name of that ship. Yeah. They do good jobs with the ship names. They, They do. do. Shenzhou is a great ship name. I would, I would, I would have, I mean, I've said this before, but I would have much rather watched Star Trek Shenzhou than Star Trek Discovery. Like, if,、yeah. if this crew, this captain、um, had been the crew, I agree. and we I went、know. on with like, this crew, and this was like, the first skirmish of this Klingon battle with this crew, and we don't lose、yeah. um, Philippa Giorgio at the end, I,、uh, I greatly prefer that as a series. I totally agree. I miss her already. She's <laughs> so great. Why did they? Why is she gone? She just、yeah. got here. I know. It sucks. It, it sucks. Does, it does suck. Yeah. And I think that what the writers wanted to do was、um, have Michael Burnham not just betray or not just be like, you know, a mutineer and not just be sentenced to jail, but also bear this moral guilt of being responsible, sort of, for the death of her captain and mother figure. And it's、yeah. something that she wrestles with through the rest of the season. So I think that they killed Giorgio. Um, to, to develop Michael's character.、Um, mm-hmm. And I understand that decision, and, and you know, that's the choice that they made. It's, I mean, and it's one of those things where like, maybe they write that and then they, they get you know,、uh, Michelle Yeoh on set as Philippa Giorgio, and they're like, oh, we fucked up because she is great. Like, I, wish, <laughs> I wish we hadn't written this to kill this character because she's so good.、Um, well, I, I, I think it's interesting because、um, the Brian Fuller apparently.、Yeah. Had outlined most of season one. They、oh. said up to about like episode seven or eight. Really? And that they used a lot of what he had given them as the map. And I, I, I figured we'll talk more about this as、yeah. more things come out later on in the season. But I、right. previously would, because you know me,、spoilers. I don't really, I don't do, I'm not, I'm saying there are spoilers、right. to exist. That we're talking around right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm trying to just acknowledge that things do happen to the future, which I think、right. is reasonable. You're talking about spoilers,、uh, and I'm saying that they're spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.、Uh, which we're keeping from Sarah, because Andy's already seen this season. Yeah, but too, Sarah、so. doesn't mind spoilers. Yeah, yeah but I don't mind. I mean, they'll cut. Oh, you love spoilers? Well, we can give you some spoilers, right? Well, no, we can't because、yeah, it's too complicated to try to spoil it. Gets, it is yeah, a hard we'll, one. We'll, to, we'll talk、yeah. about those、yeah. episodes when it comes up. But yeah. Yeah. I usually, as you know, don't get too far into like, oh, let me read about kind of what was going on with these episodes and behind the scenes. Not at least until I finish at least the season. Sure. Because then I think I can kind of be in a place to see what was going on. So this was something that I had been under one impression the first time through, which was that. The pilot was Brian Fuller, and then everything else in the season coming up、mm-hmm. was the other people that were his writing 
team sure. who who collaborate with them, but were brought in to basically come up with a new thing. But in in fact, it is them implementing you know his plan 70 80 percent of his plan mm. so right for like half the season i mean even even in this episode it was written by aaron halberts and gretchen berg who are the new right. showrunners once he leaves and right. it says like teleplay by those two and then story by brian fuller yeah. so, so so i think philip and giorgio was meant to be killed right. in in right. the pilot you know yeah no yeah i mean i i agree with that i i just wish that like seeing it all put together and seeing how great she is as a captain and yeah. just knowing where we're going and how much I prefer her as a captain to mm-hmm. what is going to happen next. It is just such a bummer yeah, uh, that, that we lose that character. Yeah. And I, you know, even this episode didn't feel as well written to me as the first episode. I think that I just don't like those two writers, Erin uh, mm. Halberts and Gretchen Berg. I just don't like the way that they write. I mean, in particular, that speech that Michael gives when she's in front of the tribunal at the end of the episode um, mm-hmm. What's the name of the the species dug in Babylon Five? Um, the Mimbari. Mimbari. Yeah, I'm like, is this a Mimbari chamber? Like with the light coming down on her? <laughs> yeah, that um, was weirdly overly dramatic. Yeah, yeah we well, couldn't see the her face. whole speech. I thought was terrible. It's just like the, her final thing that she says to this tribunal is like, "I once had a mother, and now I've lost her." It was just like so overly dramatic in a way that I, kind I, of. I liked her speech. Oh, you did like her speech. What you What you like about it? The, the 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 ending of it where it was the I wanted to prevent a war with the enemies and now we are at war and I am the enemy. I just thought that was huh. that was that was yeah. good writing. Interesting. Well, it's each his own. It's not it's not my style. I like. Um, I, I respect that you like it. I'm glad. I always say that if you like something, you're winning because not liking it is less fun. But I, for me, like there's a, a tone that this show takes that is very dramatic and like overly mm-hmm. like stylized drama that I really mm-hmm. appreciate that like Star Trek The Next Generation completely avoids. They're like very matter of fact with their language and they're like everyone seems to be very emotionally aware and emotionally mature. Um, and they seem to understand themselves and the decisions they make. And it seems to be like part of this advanced human society, this, you know, evolved human society. And I, you get so much flavor of that in the, in episode one, in the Vulcan hello, where these people just kind of carry themselves, themselves with poise. And that to me is so Star Trek and Starfleet. And then in this episode, I feel like, um, like, yes, war breaks out and that's very serious, but you start to get a, a taste of Michael's dramatic flair where, like, when she feels something, she feels it with all the drama and all the universe, and we're going to see that through the rest of the season. And it's something oh, yeah. that, that annoys me. It's not something that I hate. I just find it kind of eye-rolly sometimes, and this, like, veered in that direction. Yeah, we'll address them as they come up, but yeah. I overall, I do like what is done with Michael, even though an argument could be made that it is very much of an emotional roller coaster sure mm. but the the thing i like about that that i was thinking about I, the thing that i like about that on a rewatch that i didn't like the first time is that she was trained by the vulcans to be cut off from her emotions right and she's human she has emotions she's not cut off from her emotions and the last seven years that she's been under the the mentorship of of george o, she's been encouraged to become more emotional and i think that she doesn't know how to process her emotions sometimes absolutely because of her conflicting backgrounds which is it's why i like the scene where they show her seven years ago mm-hmm. as she's leaving the care yeah. of the vulcans yeah and it's it's a yeah. completely different michael totally. i yeah. mean uh it is all vulcan minimal human yeah. and then even in that case sarik is the one who's like hey step off the gas lady like <laughs> chill a little bit yeah and i thought that was nice and it was a kind of a nice touch because it's that whole thing about Vulcans have and understand emotions, but they suppress them. Right. And so right. Sarek was basically telling her, like, yeah, you know, there's times where you don't have to kind of keep it all under wraps. Mm. Yeah. But and I, also just Sarek showing up in that, like, yeah. you know, meeting through space was interesting because it really is like, oh, my adopted daughter is in mortal danger, is going right. to die. I'm going to pretend that it's about something right, else. Right, exactly. Yes. Because that's what Vulcans do, but I'm definitely calling because right. I don't want her to die. Right, totally. And he says straight up, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't reach out this way for purely sentimental reasons. Right. I, I don't I don't I can't abide wasted resources, the resource being her life. Right. Which is 
It's great. It's it's the closest thing a Vulcan can come to saying I love you and I don't want you to die. It's really right. touching. I really love yeah, that scene. Yeah, I thought it was a great mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear more from Sarah. What what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I don't it's funny cuz I watched the Yeah, I don't I feel like this second half lost me more. Hmm. Maybe it's because like they were going through like now it's like okay, well now we have to like figure out what the fight is. But uh, so I was like, I feel like this is the first time I really felt lost hmm. or like, hmm. oh, I'm just watching things happen and not necessarily like, no, mm-hmm. going on. Even in sure. that, yeah. that scene, about, I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Like, oh, okay. Like I didn't, so yeah. I might watch it again after this conversation with like <sighs> more knowledge of it. But I don't know. I, I don't know if it was like the way it was written or like the pace of it, but something just like lost me from the beginning. And I was yeah. like, kind of just watching these figures move. Yeah. And so I was like, like, and then like people, the guy died and then she died. And I was like, wait, so how, okay, they're on the ship. Okay. Wait, but how did he die? Okay. Right. Wait, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Yeah. The way that it's it shot like, and edited is a what? little hard to follow, especially in the action. Like when, when Michael hit Voke in the eye, I could not tell like how she got uh, how she hurt him or what happened until we saw his eye bleeding later. Right. right. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what happened? Like there was an insert shot of him getting hit somewhere, but it was so quick and like so weird. Yeah. Close. So I'm like, I don't know what happened there. What did she do? Yeah. You, there's a lot of extrapolation necessary. And then I didn't even under you know, it's funny, this is my second time watching this episode and I didn't understand that when she when Michael shot him with that phaser that it killed him to kuvma yeah to kuvma yeah. yeah yeah like i he kind of like yeah, stumbled a big guy. Yeah. yeah and like and you know i mean i don't know it all happened so like you don't actually see for me just personally in the edit you it didn't i didn't see michael registering that she had died until after she was mm-hmm. looking for her body like i mm. just it was like the shot of him stabbing um giorgio with the with the thing and then her going, <gasps> and then and then the next shot we see is just Michael shooting him. We don't see mm-hmm. her see it, and I think that would have really helped us. Yeah, yeah. I would have even liked seeing a scene where she's like thumbing up the the volume on the face. Yeah, totally. yeah, you definitely. Know? It just that I was like, wait, this was your plan was not to kill this guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that the intention. Weird. The intention, I think, is that she sees that Jojo was killed and then kills Takuma out of anger. Yeah. Right. Um. When she when it was her plan in the first place to not kill him. Right. Again, kind of showing her um, lack of control emotionally around Klingons who killed her biological parents. Yeah. I did, and it yeah. could be. I mean, I think it is a pivotal a pivotal scene. Sure. Yeah. But I don't. I and they show it afterwards. You see it on her face after it's done, right? Yeah. But they don't set it up enough to make it make any sense until later on, when you're like, "Oh, wait a minute!" Oh, that happened. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that I that's that's to me that's like like the key shortcoming of this episode. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I also, Sarah, I totally hear you. I remember the first time watching. Actually, I'll say in this watch through, <laughs> there were a lot of moments where I go. I went, oh my gosh, that was what was happening in this scene. <laughs> like, like I do think it requires multiple ro- watch-throughs, and Agreed. especially because, I, like you, I don't have a ton of Star Trek history or knowledge. Um, not that you need it, but the other thing I really struggle with in this show, actually throughout the season, in terms of understanding what's going on, is is the Kling- when Klingons speak and they have a lot of important plot points and a lot of detailed information often and strategic information when they speak on the show but when they do it's obviously it, it's all um, subtitles right? and it's subtitled in elevated language because they want to express the tone of what these what the Klingons like how fo- their their language is very formal and it and it doesn't right. have the rhythm of conversational English even when it's written out in English and it's very florid yes mm. and so when you're hearing a foreign language and then you're reading the translation and then the translation is also written in a way that you need to like adjust your brain a little bit <laughs> I remember like those scenes would pass and I would be like I kind of think I know the gist of what they were saying but I'm positive I missed some details within it sure. you know. Sure. Yeah, that's why this whole time I've been like, wait, so what do they want? Like, yeah. what is <laughs> the council? Like, yeah. why why are their bodies on the ship? So I think 
yeah, I think I'm definitely going to maybe watch both episodes again. Sure. And just be like, okay. Because I, I, I feel like I picked up the first episode pretty well, actually. But the second yeah. one, maybe because there's more details now where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now that you've got, like, the broad strokes, we can, like, really make them broader. Yeah. I don't know. Because yeah, I don't think I even caught when homeboy killed homegirl and homegirl saw. And so homegirl... Like, I missed all of that somehow. Yeah. I was watching, but then I was like, the next thing I remember cluing into was like, she was going for the body, and they were like, no, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what body? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's that classic thing, like, show, don't tell. You know, when you're, like, writing or making a TV show right. or a movie or whatever, show, don't tell. This this neither shows nor tells. <laughs> Things yeah. just happen, and you got to figure it out. It's yeah. like a, it's like a, a puzzle. Right, well, and I, then yeah. How it ended, too, where I felt bad that she, they're like, you know, and all these cows, how do you plea? And she's like, well, fuck, I plead guilty. And they're like, great, you'll be in jail forever. Yeah. That's yeah, like... Wait, what? She's <laughs> <laughs> just gonna go to jail? Like, yeah, but you, but you got that do? right. You, you did interpret yeah. that correctly. Yeah. The rest and of the season is like, like breakout. <laughs> Every <laughs> prison break. Or what just a new black. Her breaking out of jail? <laughs> Every like, episode is just her sitting in jail having a moral question posed to her by another <laughs> inmate and she's gotta say what she thinks about it. It's very talky. <laughs> she's got the map of the prison tattooed on her back though don't believe anything they're saying sarah because i know you're like um, me and you'll believe her the whole time yeah. <laughs> see the map on my back yeah, i'll give you a small spoiler we don't spend any time with her in prison uh, jesse that's a big spoiler well it's the first thing you find out in the next episode that's fine. I figured. I was like, there is no way that this next episode is just going to be her in jail. I was like, right. there's yeah. going to be some kind of like, surprise, someone bailed you out. Okay, let's go on an adventure. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Nailed it. Yeah, Literally nailed the it. plot of the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then Picard's a synth. That's and it. Sarah, yeah. I would say, I feel like your Spoilers. brain and my brain work very similarly in many ways, including the ways we consume uh shows and information and i think um something i wish i had told myself at the beginning of watching this series that may be useful to you is that it's that it is okay there are going to be a lot of moments in the show where you're going to go what (laughs) and that's okay and as long as you feel like you get the broad strokes that that just know that that's okay as long as i think personally you know because i think you could drive yourself crazy trying to because there is a lot of details that are interesting but not relevant and and there i don't know i think that this is a, it gets a little flowery sometimes in those details in a way absolutely. that you don't need absolutely i learned yeah. so much about the plot of the pilot watching it again now yeah me yeah. too cuz i too. saw them when they first came out but i only watched them once each right as as they were released you know when i have 2 3 years ago whenever it was and I was fine with it, and I. It's not until now that I realized, like, oh, I really didn't have a full grasp <laughs> of what was yeah. going on yeah. with Takuma, and I was like, I didn't even remember little details that aren't relevant to the story, but kind of flesh it out a little bit, and the stuff about the specific stuff about the Klingon houses, and mm-hmm. and and yeah, so much from the first episode even didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. in retrospect and sure. i i guess i walked away from it going oh i get it and i really did not yeah. i really did not i think i think that that's a failing of the show i mean andy and i've been yeah. watching a lot of next generation i'm very proud of andy she just finished <laughs> the next generation <laughs> so we were just watching i mean we just watched uh, all good things the finale yeah. yesterday which right. i still maintain is one of the best episodes of star trek i love it so much i think it's just like it just encapsulates what i love about star trek in this little yeah. nutshell and i love it but at the same time like that show you know exactly what people are thinking and feeling as you go throughout these crazy adventures Mm. the show is so good at at telling you what's happening even though what's happening is like cosmic and massive and kind of mind-bending it presents it in such a clear way and the characters respond to things clearly and all the emotional threads and the logical threads of the story are present whereas discovery to me feels like very rushed as far as like trying to get the infor- information out, it feels like maybe the 
the production schedule was rushed in some way and they just you know it's like 80 percent of the picture of the emotional and logical story is there which is good like 80 percent is a lot but it's not a hundred percent and it, it's not enough yeah and it, you know you can find the logic in it and you can find the reason in it when you rewatch it but oftentimes like throughout the whole first season i was like i do not understand why this character is saying that this is what he's thinking and feeling and that this is what's mm-hmm. happening because that doesn't make any sense and like the way that he reacted to it or she reacted to it doesn't like track logically with that and there's a lot that you just kind of have to take on faith because the writers are telling you this is what's happening and you're like okay i guess that's what happened you know like for, I- for a show that has a little bit of a rocky start after the pilot and was you know uh, arguably controversial among mm-hmm. the fan base to add on top of that the need to like pay specific attention to everything that's happening mm-hmm. and kind of mull over afterwards you know you're putting an extra burden on something that was already uh, uh, I think rough for people to to process right away but I also would say that in its defense this is obviously the 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 return of Star Trek after being gone for a 15 or whatever years and also the first real attempt at true serialization for uh uh star trek versus episodic right and and i think that what we see in discovery is them stumbling and fumbling to try to figure that out um this time one of the things i noticed very specifically is even though this is released on cbs all access for streaming they still pace it and break it up as though it was an hour-long network show with specifically timed places for act breaks for commercials. (laughs) And, you know, the shows always clock in at whatever that winds up being, like 42 42 minutes minutes or something. Right, totally. Mm -hmm. Where if you watch, like, HBO shows, it's, like, 50 minutes, an hour and two minutes, 55. You know, like, they do basically whatever they need to do to get it done. Mm -hmm. And this feels like I could have used another... 10 minutes maybe Absolutely. of oh, little sure. little bits of scenes totally. to yeah. pad things out and explain it. So I think that they don't, they're trying to do something in a format that they don't know how to do it in yet. Yeah, <laughs> good And point. that they do learn it, but it's, it's rough going now yeah. as we watch them learn that. Yeah. I get frustrated that they couldn't have brought on a writing team that knew how to do that already. And I think Brian Fuller is the right way to go. I just wish that they could have kept him because yeah. my favorite episode of, well, I mean, all of season one, my favorite episode of Discovery was episode one. And that's the one right. that he co-wrote. So yeah. I, I feel like he... And he wrote a lot on like Voyager, and he's been around Star Trek for decades, and he yeah. understands well, Star Trek, and he was like such a good person to put in charge of this new show. And losing him sure. before the show even came to fruition yeah. um, is is a real shame. Well, um, he ran other shows. Like, wasn't he Dead Like Me and uh, yeah. that Pie Maker show about the guy who could bring people back to life or something I, you know i actually haven't watched any of his shows but didn't he leave for american gods and then he left that after a season he, he, i know that the reason that he didn't do discovery was because uh stars wouldn't let him out of the contract for, for american, american gods. gods right right and then he was worried about basically not being able to give discovery enough of his time and also there is the issue that he wanted a very different version of discovery yeah this he did want like i said like 78% of the first season to be what we do see, but his idea was to do an anthology like American Horror Story, right. but for Star Trek, so that mm. season two would be the ship, the Discovery, but it might take place in the TNG era. And Ooh. that season three would also be the Discovery, but maybe it would be, you know, like shortly after the, the 2000 Enterprise. So, like, cool. you know, in, in between Enterprise and the original series. He wanted an anthology where the star of the show was the Discovery, Ooh. but with different crews throughout different Yeah, time that's periods. interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. like, even in this, in this episode, Battle of the Binary Stars, even though he has story credit, he didn't write it. So, who knows yeah. how close it is to his vision of the story. Like, the s- story beats, I think, are actually kind of cool. And, like, yeah. for me, the... I really like this episode, but I don't like it as much as the first one. And I think uh, there is some, like, clarity issues in the storytelling that maybe yeah. a different writer could have addressed. Yeah, or a different director or a different sure. editor. I mean, it's all, yeah. There's it a lot all, of failure yeah. points. Totally. I mean, you can have the best writer yeah. in the world and a horrible editor, and it's going to be shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Brian Fuller has done the classy thing, which is to not talk any right. details mm. about right. Discovery after the fact. And then, and it's also his 
writing partners that did, the, and they're terrible people, but they're the ones that did do this first season, right. and they're the ones that have said, we're using this much of the stuff that we got from him. So that right. it is information from one source, so you can take it right. for what it's worth. Totally. Okay, I just have a question I thought of. I don't believe... Well, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> Why couldn't they transport her body without life signs when they can transport objects? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, because they don't know where she is. They 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 don't know. They would have to scan for the body and then lock onto the body. Why they couldn't find oh the body I, through that? I might know, be able is, to answer this question because she wasn't on a transporter pad. You, you can right, beam right. objects from one transporter pad to uh, another. Oh, okay, right. But in in the later Star Trek, it's made clear that the com badges is how they lock on to people. Yeah, um, like you can because they accidentally beam the wrong people over all the time. Sure, <laughs> or like they look for a bio sign, like that, that right. Deep Space Nine episode where Kira beams that guy up out of his office. Yeah. She's like, oh, I just wanted to make sure you were there, and just yeah. I saw a bio sign, wanted to make sure it was you, and then beams him out. Right. Um, yeah. So it's that actually, I think that does track that they can't beam. Like, they, they can see, oh, one human life sign here, one human life sign here. Let's beam them both out. But when you lose right. one of the life signs, you can't find it unless uh -huh. it has yeah. um, either... I, and this is in the past in the Star Trek universe, so they probably didn't have this ability to track communicators yet okay. um, to beam things. And, or you have to be on a transporter pad. Got it. Or yeah, have, it's like, also an emergency transportation device. But we don't see that for another few, like, hundred... For, like, another hundred years in the Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a solid question and it is definitely the kind of thing that they do whichever way they feel that they sure, need to sure. for yeah. the story in Star Trek. Sure. Jesse and I have talked about this before during Deep Space Nine like we will iterate all the times where like a transporter would have been the solution yeah. to whatever a transporter or a replicator yeah. can oh, solve yeah. a lot of problems in Star Trek yeah. and they conveniently overlook them and at best they'll put in a thing of like well, why don't we use the transporter? And so to go, ah, because it's all fucked up right now. Like, okay, right, fine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, there's an ion storm. Uh, really? Yeah. I don't I see storm, one. Just yeah. trust me. <laughs> yeah, there's like an episode of Deep Space Nine that starts with people trapped in the airlock, and they're trying to fix the airlock to get them out, and no one asks the, to beam them out. Like, no one mentions we can uh, beam them out. Uh, uh, no, it's like they forgot that they have transporters. Yeah. 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 Well, shall we rate this one? Do we have more thoughts? No. No more Let's thoughts. Do it. How do you no. rate this one, Sarah? I feel like I would rate this like a like a six. Because hmm. I don't know still. Yeah. <laughs> like and and I maybe I'll watch it again and I'll feel differently, but I think for like a first like one and a half passes, because I did watch it once and I didn't all the way finish it because we decided we were gonna just do the one episode. So, so I was like, Oh, let right. me actually finish it. And I was like, I still have no idea what's happening. <laughs> um, so I think, but I, but also I'm nervous because it sounds like it's not going to get better for a little bit. So, so part of me is like, well, yeah. So I think I'm going to stay with my six. So yeah, yeah. somehow I would say some aspects do get better. I think that there there are more characters brought in that are really fun and interesting, and <clears throat> there are some really fascinating twists that are that are really cool and other aspects don't get better but there i it's not going to be totally unenjoyable i <laughs> i just want to well, encourage maybe. you about season that. two is great <laughs> yeah i'm excited uh, for season two i can't wait to watch it yeah like season like the, the problem in this episode is that there's the these emotional beats that you don't quite feel because you don't know what's happening because it's kind of confusing yeah but in season two there are these big emotional moments where you understand what the character's thinking there's like cosmic time fuckery happening and it's crazy <laughs> shit but like they have to make this deep choice that affects the rest of your life and you get it and you know what they're doing and it is so powerful and I love that shit, but um, so this show gets there quickly in, in there season yet. two. But I, for me, like uh, that didn't happen in season one. There's a couple episodes that I did like in season one. It's not like all shit, and I am excited to rewatch it. And it's like a glitzy, glamorous, spacey show, so you know I like that. But but yeah, I mean, season one for me, the first time was a, a little bit of a slog, and I'm curious to see how it feels the second time. And mm -hmm. I. I'm sorry, Sarah, to bring you into the slog with us. I hope, no, you, I hope you don't hate it. <laughs> it's fine. We'll get through it together. <laughs> yeah, 
Totally. This is now Star not, Trek Club is emotional support. Star Trek Club. That's a, right. I was just going to say this is now a support group. Um, mm-hmm. Andy, how do you rate this one? I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I, I I totally agree with Sarah that the confusing moments, especially I'm trying to remember my first view of it because I think that's important to keep in mind because you want to take it from the point of view as you would when it was coming out. If you can, if you have, if you can, if you know, you've already seen it, if you can try to erase your knowledge, because I do think a TV show, I mean, it's not bad to rewatch episodes, but I think it should at least make you feel like you know what you need to know on the first viewing. Mm, Um, Absolutely. Totally. So I think that's what brings my score down. But I really loved certain elements of it. I like, you know, like we were talking about, I loved that moment in the brig. um, And I... What I, yeah, what I did really enjoy about the episode is that it, it felt like it knew it, even though it was making these bold choices that I didn't totally understand, I definitely got the sense that it knew what, what it was doing. Like hmm. it, it made them with confidence. And sure. I think later in the show, we get into some areas where I'm like, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't think that that's happening here. And so, um, yeah, so I say seven. Nice. What about you, Doug? Uh, I eight and a half for me. Nice. Uh, I think the first time through, I would have, if you had asked me, I would have said like nine, maybe even nine and a half because it's a lot of action and it is almost the kind, almost exactly the kind of Star Trek I like. I mean, they don't go deep into any kind of like philosophical debates, but they do kind of at least skim the surface of some stuff regarding war and, and whatnot. Um, but the, it's actually interesting for me because the rewatch made me realize how much I didn't grasp hmm. the first time through. Yeah. So in a way, it's like I know more now and I can appreciate the episode and fully understand it more. But then I'm giving it less because it's like, oh, now I see what how you failed me <laughs> the first time through. <laughs> that's so. funny. Actually, Doug, what you just said is exactly how I feel. Like that's – I – I really, really loved this the first time, but I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? Are you done? No, it's interesting because we've talked about this before where I said, I'll bet if you and I watch Discovery again, my overall ratings will drop from how I felt the first time and yours might tick up here and there. I hope so. I hope you're right. Um, Otherwise, it's going to be a miserable... <laughs> a few episodes, um, but I'll be there to be the cheery light. Yeah, Woo! totally. Well, but the thing is, is like knowing how much I love season two makes this so much more bearable for me because, like, yeah, what the first time I watched this show, um, the these two episodes came out on the same night. They actually aired on broadcast TV, even though I already had CBS All Access. So, like, right. you know, my parents were watching them on TV and like, oh my god, these were so good. When can we see the rest? Can we get your login for CBS All Access? Um, <laughs> So I have very fond memories of both of these first two episodes the first time, and I remembered them being of equal quality, but watching this again, I don't feel like this second episode is as good as the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like the the writing is not quite as tight, the editing, the directorial choices are a little confusing. I feel like the information is all there, but you do mm-hmm. have to kind of dig for it, and mm-hmm. I didn't... Um, I didn't quite feel that way the first time. I felt like maybe I missed something the first time, but I think that, like what I missed was like just kind of it's not that I missed it. It's that it's just not super clear, you know? Right. Um, it's like what I thought happened did happen. It's just, I didn't understand that it was happening because it wasn't super clear. <laughs> and I do think that that's an issue. Whereas the first episode, I felt like I understood the motivations and the, and everything and the acting choices. Like it all felt clear to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first episode just is like such a great episode. And I don't remember what I rated it. Um, but I feel like, I, but I still feel very strong about this one that it's really good. Like, I just love Captain Giorgio so much. Like, my emotional attachment to what's happening is still high, even though it gets a little muddled towards the end when it gets more confusing. Um, so I, I would definitely give it a... I'm going to give it a, a strong seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah. That's pretty strong. It's very strong, yeah. I've, yeah. I've always loved these, these this two-parter. Um and I'll, everything that Doug said, I agree with about like why I would rate it down a little bit. The one other thing that drives me crazy in this two-parter is the way that Takuma speaks is so annoying to me. It's like this is my impression of him speaking Klingon, but in English. Hello, my name is Jesse. This is a podcast. I swear I'm not reading this or memorizing 
words that I am saying. It's just like super. Are you knocking points off of him for being like Kirk? Well, that was that's. You should knock points off of me for being like Kirk. He's not. He's just like every word is like the same emphasis. Emphasis, and they're all separated, so nothing feels yeah. like it's a sentence. Yeah, and, I love the way he talks. Oh, you do? I, I was actually going to bring it up. It's, we, it's this so is, weird. I'm like, and I think I, I have the exact opposite feeling in this mm. case of something that you and Sarah had said. Where, or maybe it was, maybe it was Andy. I don't remember, but of mm-hmm. hearing the Klingon and then reading it. Yeah, it was Andy talking about the mm-hmm. fluid nature of the language. Yeah, I really like it, and I like some of the rhythms they that he gets into. I really like it when you can start to hear like just a repeated syllable in Klingon, and then seeing the subtitles, and you get like it's these three things in a row, mm-hmm. you know, that are all kind of talking about the same thing. Like when he mentions Klingons, humans. And Vulcans or yes. and Andorians, yeah. yeah. And each one of them is like the blah 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 bump, blah 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 bump. Yeah, I know. I don't know. That. I, just, I was just really, yeah. I don't know. I really yeah. like that, and huh. I, I like. I, it's spoiler alert. He died in this episode we just watched. I know. And I and I do miss him for the rest of the series because yeah. I was so on board with a Game of Thrones in space with the Klingons and twenty four <laughs> warring houses. Yeah. And Takuma being at the head of it. Mm, I yeah. really was fascinated by this character. Yeah. yeah. I just I, I love him so much and I'm totally fine with, with his strange staccato speaking pattern. I do like him more as a main villain for the story than what we get. Mm-hmm. I think that keeping him would have allowed you to develop the story that is presented in this two-part pilot yeah. that then yeah. gets kind of thrown out the window. Yeah. <laughs> so I do agree with you there. And I really like um, his eye acting. I feel like he does a lot with his eyes. Yeah. And we yeah. even get like flashbacks of his childhood. I'm like, why yeah. are we developing this character so well and then throwing yeah. him away? I know. It's frustrating. It's like... Yeah. You know, I mean, certain TV tropes exist for a reason because they're satisfying. And I understand, like, breaking tropes and trying to do something new. Um, but sometimes when you try so hard to do something new, you end up making something that's just not super... Doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, mm-hmm. like why are these the choices that we've made? I don't know. I have to say, I kind of... What's funny is I agree with both of you. I... I... I um... <laughs> Chessie's moving my microphone. Just <laughs> micromanaging. Okay, so I... Micromanaging. <laughs> I'm trying to Mike just manager. do the work so you can just talk and thank not worry you, about the you. positioning of yeah, your head. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I like it because it... But I think it does make sense. Like, I actually think that that choice, that the language, and especially a leader in the Klingon um, world, would have very staccato, very commanding, but emotionless... Um, uh, tone like that everything would have the same value because based on the of what klingons value in that society it sure. makes sense the forcefulness the just like you just give a hundred percent and like you commit and any sort of wavering um or sentiment i think is not valued in klingon culture so i feel like it makes sense, but I don't know if I like it because it doesn't give you the dynamics l- l- linguistically that help tell a story. Yeah. But um, but I do want to say one more thing before we wrap up and it and wow, we're on the topic of the Klingons because Sarah, I don't know, I actually watched this whole season and realized that I had no idea why they went to war. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't I didn't understand and I clarified with Jesse as we watched this today um about why the houses are feeling threatened by um Starfleet. Do you do you did you did you pick up on that? Nope. Okay, cuz I didn't either and I it's actually I realized like this is the what the show spins on and I actually don't even know what happened. So I the basic summary of it and tell me if I'm right Jesse um is that Klingons are very they're kind of like nationalists at this point um in in history where they are like very committed to staying Klingon not being changed in any way and not really being integrated into other cultures it, right they don't yeah. want to be diluted in right. that way right and so um and so they are 
they are threatened by Star Trek or Star Trek Starfleet because <laughs> because um, because that is kind of Starfleet's mo- like model is is the integration of all these cultures and right enrichment through diversity yeah and they yeah. feel very threatened by that and so 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 but tell me this so strategically what are they doing they're saying stay out of our like what's trying happening? To, he's trying to unite the the warring Klingon houses by giving them a common enemy. Okay, so Takuvma, right? So there are four, four, twenty four Klingon houses, right? Yeah. And and they, that that at like this great houses, great houses, yeah, with different leaders. Yes. But and at this point, they have been kind of not getting along, right? They're right. Like the, I, I, as my understanding, there's no Klingon High Council as we come to know it. Later yeah. on in Star Starfleet lore, the leaders of the houses seem to be the High Council because uh-huh. they mentioned something about a High Council during this. Oh, episode. they do. Okay, I missed right. That. So the impression that I yeah, there's there's a lot that I feel like I picked up this time. Yeah, that uh-huh. I had no idea about. So they have like so, a yeah, twenty four person High Council, right? And it sounds like they're just in disarray, and that yeah. Takuma is realizing, oh, we're going to get picked apart by Starfleet, and some houses may just give up and join Starfleet or, you know, this is not good for the Klingons. And he wants to, one, I think it's obvious that he wants power for its own sake, but also that he wants to see Klingons not be a weakened force in the galaxy. So this is exactly it. Like, he presents himself as the rebirth of, you know, Klingon war Jesus and (sighs) initiates a, 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 a war with the Federation. Yeah. And the goal of that war is basically to weaken them, to show them what, you know, and this is really a bigger question because I never really understand yeah. the goal of war anyway. Like, if you kill enough people, then the, then the other side just says, okay, you're right. Like, I, I don't understand exactly how firing on all these ships is going to help them achieve well, their goal. I, my assumption here would be that Takuma is looking at this as a way to get the houses behind him so that he winds up being the leader of the Klingons and then whether or not he pursues a full-on war with the Federation to their ultimate destruction is probably not a thing that even enters into the picture because right now they're at the edge of Federation space so maybe if he just gets the Federation to back off from this area he can declare himself the winner and then look at picking fights with other people you know okay. i think that's exactly right because he okay. says like we don't want any contact with you this is our space now right get, get out okay so it's a we'll sort of fun- a, and we'll be chill it's sort of yeah. a smaller territorial statement but it's kind of to embolden a higher purpose of putting him at the forefront of uniting the klingons that's my sense yeah, yeah. and i think that he's not super power hungry i think that he really just believes that the Klingon culture is going the wrong way and he wants to steer them back in the right, right direction. Right. Well, I guess that's what I mean. He wants to be in charge of all Klingons so that he can get right. the Klingons to behave the way that he wants them to behave. Because as yeah. a child, he had a vision of Kaelas who told him that one day he would unite all the houses. You know, I, right. I like it. I mean... Yeah, this, yeah. It's again, it's they drop a lot of that. Yeah, it's great. It's great character building for who ends up... For the person who is the villain in these first two episodes. Yes. Like, he yeah. has a complex set of beliefs and motivations that are at odds with Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And Starfleet mm-hmm. is, you know, presented as the hero in this scenario. And there are mistakes made on both sides. There are, you know, valid points on both sides. I mean, I, I obviously am not on the side of nationalism. I feel like, um, I feel like accepting, loving your neighbor for the differences can lead to so much like growth. And I feel like letting go of some of your, um, like, like being too firm in holding on to your own culture to the detriment of being open to anyone else's culture, having a like a valid place, um, is dangerous. And I, I, I do not like that mindset. Mm. Doug is on the fence. I can tell by his face. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I think it's fine to have and maintain your cultural identity. You know, I'm not. Well, but I, I think it would be not. But maintain in the best your, your cultural. To go to war. Right. With maintain your cultural identity Federation. by destroying the people who don't have yours. Like that's that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, again, Takuma, he's got his reasons for what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to unite the Klingon houses together in order to you know maintain a stronger Klingon identity. I feel like that's perhaps 
up to the Klingons to decide how they want to go. Yeah. But the, the line that's crossing is to pick a fight with another group of people in order to bolster your yes. uh, uh, political support. Yes, totally. Yeah. 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 Well, we've we've made it through the good episodes of this season, and now we're going to have... <laughs> Don't worry, Sarah. Don't worry. It'll be okay. <laughs> I like a lot of the episodes that are coming up. Yeah. I mean, I Doug and I obviously do not have the same, like, aesthetic preferences <laughs> with Star Trek. So, yeah. um, who knows where Sarah's going to fall. Yeah. They get a little darker and they're so, they, they get a little grim. So Yeah, they, they oh, lean okay. real heavy into, into like, their Game of Thrones inspiration. But there's other parts that are kind of lighter and funner. Yeah, it's very weird. It's real weird. Yeah. But we're going to get there. More yes. fun. Yeah. We'll, More we'll fun. get through yeah. it together. And yeah. what, one of these days I want to sit down with Andy and record a... Uh, her thoughts on Next Generation. Because, we will, we will. Yeah, I since she like just finished it, I kind of want to get her feelings on it. So I, I think you sure might you might know where she lives. So I do. Yeah. <laughs> you might be stuck in that place yeah, with her for I a am. long time. Have um, your people call her people. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you're subscribed to the Space Nerds podcast. We don't just have Star Trek Club. We have all sorts of fun sci-fi and science fact for you. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yay. And until next time, stay nerdy out there. (laughs) Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash spacenerdspodcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!